Good evening. This is Apostle Corey Douglas from Zion Ministries in Harvest, Alabama. Welcome you to another verse-by-verse Bible study on the book of Romans. Uh, we're going to continue our study in the book of Romans, chapter number 4. And we're going to pick up at verse number 18. That's Romans, chapter number 4, verse number 18. Our subject is Abraham previously Abraham, whom the Bible calls the father of faith. Verse 18 reads, who against hope, okay, an implied subject of this scripture is Abraham, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. When it comes to walking in faith, we have to realize that we will always have two forms of hope to contend with. There's a hope that seeks to work against you, and there is a hope that works for you. Okay? There are two different forms of hope. Okay? Another definition for the word hope or practical understanding could be what to expect in the end or expectation, the outcome of a thing, okay, what the outcome itself would look like. And so this first hope that is, the, that is against us and a hope that you and I should be against, okay, is a worldly hope or a natural hope. Or if I can just put it in plain words, it is what typically happens according to the ordinary or natural course of this world or of nature. Okay? It is something that we expect to happen according to what this world considers as normal, what we know to be um commonly accepted norms, laws, outcomes, um, equations, okay, that exist, okay. So, and, and that can be in any sphere, whether it is at home, whether it's a medical diagnosis or what specialists say at a particular age typically happens to a person. Um, what we may deem impossible when it comes to career, or when it comes to job, and when it even comes to relationship with God, uh, debt. There's just so many spheres to where this world has established norms or, you know, this world system has sought to dictate, well, if you did this and this and that, or if you don't do this and this and that, and this is what you can expect in the end. And these are these are things that don't necessarily work for the believer. And the believer or the born again Christian is not called to live according to that hope. First thing I want you to understand about worldly hope, worldly outcome, uh, worldly expectation or expected outcomes, is that it is against you. It is against you. It is against your purpose. It's against your calling. It's against every promise. 
It's against every word that's spoken over your life. And the first thing to understand about worldly hope is that it has its origin in human reason. It has its origin in the intellect, the mind, the rationale, the the comprehensive conclusions of men. And when I say man, I speak of humanity as a whole, both men and women. Okay? And so all worldly hope has to make sense. And everything that steals hope from people in this world does so on the basis that it does not make sense to the mind of man. Okay? And so the presence of worldly hope and the absence of worldly hope is all based upon comprehension, uh, to, to comprehend, the ability to comprehend something, to, for something to make sense to the mind. It's, it's built upon reason. Okay? And so if rationale the mind grasps, then we expect certain things to happen. If the mind cannot grasp an outcome that is not, you know, beyond comprehension, then most people are left feeling hopeless, uh, discouraged, and expecting the worst. So this kind of hope is against us, okay? It is against you. It does not have your best interest at heart. It is not a faith. It, is, it has nothing supernatural to it. It is um, established by the God of this world, who is Satan, and it is typically re, uh, reinforced by the systematic cultures, values, morals, and norms of this present world system, which none of them are good, okay? And all of them are, uh, are pretty predetermined and predictable. And so most people live according to a worldly hope that is against us. They expect something to be good toward them and for them that is against them, that is not designed to be good toward them or for them, okay? God is good. Jesus said there's none good but the Father. And so when we look for goodness or to experience goodness, we have to look to a source of hope that is beyond this world or outside of the spirit of this world. Because only God is good. Jesus asked them, he said, Why you what call you me good? There is none good but the Father. Okay? And so when we look for good things to happen, we have to look toward the good God, who is the author and the source of every good and perfect gift that comes down to man, according to the book of James. Okay? So remember this hope is against you. Okay? There is a there's a demonic hope. A carnal hope, a worldly hope that is against you. It's full of roller coasters, ups and downs, and it has no expected end or fruitful outcome. Now, as much as this hope is against all of us, whether we recognize it or not, we can call it the ordinary course of nature, okay? Just typically allowing things to play out in this world as they always have and to embrace uh, the foretold predictable outcomes that are established by the cultures and values of this world, okay? For instance, okay, if the, someone's in a hospital and the physician says, well, sorry, there's nothing that we can do. You've only got 
three months to live. Now, with most people, okay, all hope is gone and all hope is lost because that was the word and those are the norms that are established according to the medical specialists, uh, the, the um, you know, the professionals of this age and of this time. And most people don't have hope that is beyond that. Now, when you listen to that, it's clear to say that that is not a good expectation, that's not a good outcome, and that is a hope that is against the person. It's against their tomorrow, it's against their future, it's against their family, it's against their calling, their purpose, their destiny to live on. And so, you know, this is a hope that is demonic in nature. And this is a hope that whether we identify it or not through power and revelation of the Holy Spirit, it is against us all. You know, there are things that are um, that we all have to look at and say, are we going to settle for that or are we going to hope against hope? Now, as much as the hope, this hope is against us, we also read in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, that Abraham was also against this hope. So this, this, this worldly wishing, uh, you know, expected outcome or according to the natural course of nature, uh, it's not good. But this is the hope in Romans 4.18 that the Bible says that Abraham hoped against. So not only was this worldly hope warring against Abraham, but Abraham turned his face toward God, and he began to war and to wage war against the worldly hope, which was none, which was hopelessness or, you know, an, an unexpected end or an unfruitful outcome. So you and I have to hope against hope. And so in order to hope against hope, that means that our hope, has to be in something else, founded on different morals, different values, um, a greater basis for confidence, for rest, for assurance. And there has to be something that, that provides a foundation for you and I to expect an opposite outcome other than that which is normal, which, what is natural, what is established according to the systems and the government of this world. And for you and I, this hope that we use to war against the evil hope is the hope, the guarantee, the expectation that you and I find in the Word of God. And so there are two types of hope. There's a hope that, you know, I hope something good happens and wish me the best. Okay? That goes up depending upon what people in this world may say, that goes down depending on people in this world may say, that goes up depending upon how we feel, that goes down depending upon how we feel. It's not stable, and it's not sure, and it's not guaranteed, and it promises nothing, okay? Nothing but disappointment. And so that is the hope that God has not called you and I to live by. It is the hope that we have to resist through our faith, just like Abraham. Now, this hope that he used to hope against hope is a guaranteed 
outcome that can be found in God's word, in God's will, in the vision that God gives, in the, in the revelation that God gives, in the promise that God gives, in the word of God. So it is a guaranteed outcome when we believe. It is a guaranteed ending when we believe. It is a guaranteed uh, possession of the good thing that's on the other end of what God has spoken when we believe. And so it's this guaranteed hope that you and I have to focus on, and we have to use it. We have to take possession of it, and we have to wield it. We have to to use it to fight against, to batter, to ram, and also to overcome the worldly hope, to supersede, to triumph, okay, to rise above and to prevail on, okay? okay. And this is what Abraham did. The Bible says, who against hope believed in hope. May sound like a paradox or a play on words, but it's not. And so there's a hope that you and I, we must always choose to hope against. Who against hope believed in hope, that he may become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken. You say, well, where did he get this hope? You can't get it out of your mind. You can't get it out of your emotions. You can't, you don't have enough imagination to conjure it up. This hope and this solid expectation can only be found when you locate the voice of God, whether it is through the Holy Spirit speaking to you or whether it is through the written word of God, which God also speaks to and inspired by his spirit, okay, because both the word of God is eternal that you read and does not die and the promises are still alive to those who believe, as well as the word of God is relevant and just as powerful when God speaks it to you personally through dream, through vision, through impression, through prophecy, uh, through, through uh, revelation of the Holy Ghost, angelic visit, whatever he chooses as a vehicle to, to assure you of what he is saying to you, in that moment, you have hope. You have the opportunity to lay hold of hope. Wherever you find the word of the Lord, the word of God, and wherever you find the voice of God, you have been given an invitation to overcome natural odds, natural statistics, natural outcomes, natural challenges, and things that may seem shaky or unsure. You just have been given something solid that you can expect and that you can rest will come to pass if you hold on to it and you and you believe it, okay? And this is the hope that you and I, the expectation that you and I are called to live by and to, and to walk in. This is what Abraham walked in to become who God had called him to be which is the father of many nations. But look at verse 18. Remember, he did this, or he found this hope, according to that which was spoken. So, again, to mine this hope, to, to unearth it, to, to draw it out, 
we have to have a mind that stays zeroed in on what God has spoken, okay, to focus only on what God has spoken, to meditate only on what God has spoken, to rehearse only what God has spoken. The more we do that, and to the degree that we can discipline ourselves to do that, this supernatural hope in us increases and becomes stronger and begins to swallow up and devour hopelessness or worldly hope or lack of guarantee. The systems of this world of unfruitful outcomes, of wishing, and of hopelessness. So the more that we grow in biblical hope, the more we become unlimited in our life in Christ in this earth. And the more we pave the way for supernatural interventions to interrupt the ordinary course of nature of how we thought or how others said our life should play out, all of a sudden we find that God is able to make all things new. And this hope opens up an unlimited realm of possibilities with God that are not expected, they're not natural, they're phenomenons, they're wonders, they're signs, they're miracles, call them what you want, but they're the fulfillment of what God has spoken, which supersedes anything that doctors, lawyers, specialists, government, people, family, feelings, emotions, you know, what God has spoken overrides everything in everyone and gives us a guaranteed outcome when we believe and we refuse to let go of our expectation in what he has spoken. Okay, now let's move on down to verse number 19. It says, that being not weak, in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the dead as Sarah's womb. There's a lot in this verse. The first thing that the Bible describes about Abraham is that it gave us a diagnosis of his faith. And if you're listening, I want you to, you know, you know, when you go to the hospital, they'll do physicals or they may do screenings to diagnose the health of a thing. And this first part of this verse is a diagnosis of the condition of the quality of health of Abraham's faith. And it says that Abraham was not weak in faith. And if you're listening, I just want you to say that out loud. Abraham was not weak in faith. And applied understanding of if he's an example, then it's important that you and I would not be weak in faith. You say, well, what does that look like? Well, let's dig into the definition of this word weak to really answer that question and to bring understanding. This word weak, when it says Abraham being not weak in faith, it means to be feeble, to be diseased, or to be sick. Hmm. And so it seems as if the language of describing weakness in this verse uh, is a lot more graphic uh, than perhaps the mind thought. I 
actually it describes faith as if it's the actual health condition of a literal person. Okay? I don't know about you, but I didn't know that faith could be considered feeble, sick, or diseased. And if that is true, and if this is the definition of weak, it's saying that in order for faith to be strong, faith needs to be healed, healthy, wholesome, sound, and whole. Okay, healthy. Okay. So faith can be disease, sick, or faith can be healthy. Now, we know from Mark chapter 11 that faith can move mountains. But I think from understanding, Jesus said, have faith in God, who shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be plucked up from the root, be cast into the sea, should not doubt in his heart. But believe those things which he said should come to pass. They shall have whatsoever them say. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Okay, but line upon line, precept upon precept with Romans 4.18 and definition of weak. Could it be that faith that moves mountains is a healthy faith and a whole faith and a strong faith? Okay, and could it be that faith that fails to move mountains could be a diseased faith, a feeble faith, and a sick faith? Since faith is being described as a person, as a as a as a literal condition that can be assessed by the God of Heaven, okay, just like Abraham's. With that being said it puts a greater responsibility on you and I to condition our faith, to nourish our faith, to cultivate our faith, to nurse our faith back to health again, and to make sure that our faith remains healthy and strong. Because the stronger that a person is, the more effective they can accomplish a task, okay? When people are sick or they're battling with symptoms or it's cold and flu and COVID-19 or struggling with here and there and loss of appetite, then, you know, they can work, but they're not at their best ability to accomplish things because they're not whole. But you can take those same people who, and and providing that there is good health, there is soundness, there is wholeness there, you'll see them do great and awesome things, you know, work overtime. And, 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 you know, but when you're, when you're not, you know, when a person is not well, you even consider leaving work early. You know, I'm not feeling good. I'm not healthy. I'm not whole. I'm not wholesome. And it affects the way that we work. Well, the same principle is true as it relates to our faith. So it's important that you and I have an eye of awareness as it pertains to the condition of our faith and that you and I do what's necessary and, you know, we take responsibility over the, over the condition of our faith and we commit to keeping our faith strong, healthy, whole, and wholesome. And this is how Abraham was able to press into his calling because with weak faith, it's going to be hard to hope against hope. 
and it's easy to succumb to hopelessness or to the outcomes that are established by the norms of this fallen world system. But if my faith is strong and healthy, if your faith is strong and healthy, now that's another story. It's easy to lay hold of the promises of God and to continue to believe and to fight against the hopelessness of this world, the ordinary course of things. Let me give you a side note key here. If you have been baptized in the Holy Ghost, there is, this is a key to keeping your faith whole. Jude chapter 1, verse 20, and what I mean by baptizing in the Holy Ghost, if you pray in tongues, if you pray in spirit, if you pray in your heavenly language, Jude 1.20 says, you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. So one of, that word build up means to charge up, to strengthen, okay, to, 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 to charge up, to, to, to generate, to make whole, to make healthy. And so praying in tongues is a way to, to make this your faith. And it is a tool that God has given us to activate in order to keep faith strong and healthy. And just one of the ways, not the only way, but that is one. Just wanted to sew that in uh, as we continue to move down. So he says, in being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead. So what we draw from verse 19 is that you and I cannot be weak in faith. Okay? Another way to strengthen, strengthen faith. He tells us in verse 18, we pay attention and we focus on, we meditate, we devour, we eat that which was spoken by God. If the food of your faith is the word of God, and it takes good food, quality food, to keep the physical body healthy. It takes the sound word of God, the pure, raw, uncut, wholesome word of God, to keep your faith healthy. Because Romans ten seventeen tells us that faith comes or increases or is made available by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so your faith life increases and your faith life and the health of your faith is totally revolved around God's word. Listen, when you think it, when you sing it, when you pray it, when you confess it, when you decree it, when you worship it, when you believe it, when you act on it, when you give thanks for it, listen, all of that when you keeps your faith healthy, whole, and wholesome. And it's one thing that's sure. When you find that a person's faith is weak, you can always trace it back to a deficiency in their relationship with the Word of God. With the word of God. Okay? And it's not that we stop believing in God. And it's not even that they turn on God. Or don't believe that God is able, God is capable, God is possible. But that discipline to have a devotional, intimate experience with the word of God in a wholesome way. 
Because in order, you know, just like I said that food is, is life and health and strength to the body, but it's something that you eat and you take in intentionally in order to get strength. And so for my faith, I have to see the word of God as food to my faith, something that I eat, I receive into my heart and in my mind, and I take in intentionally to keep our faith strong. Because the strength of our faith will determine on what level or what quality of level we have the strength and the ability to hope against hope and to hold on to the word of God or to the promise of God when tested with attacks, when tested with time, when tested with evil reports, when tested with feelings, emotions, pain, when tested with the discouraging words and comments of others, when tested with trials, when tested with our own flesh, our own weakness and thoughts, it is a wholesome, whole, healthy faith that overcomes all of, that, all of those factors and gives us the ability to, to hold on to what God has said and to see the outcome of God triumph over all of those factors that seek to cripple us. Praise God. And so he hoped against hope, and he was not weak in faith. My encouragement to you, you and I, we can't be weak in faith. And it says he considered not his own body now dead. Okay. This word consider means to consider attentively or to fix one's eyes or mind upon that is so important. It means to consider attentively and to fix one's eyes or mind upon. He did not consider his body, okay, now dead, and he did not fix his own eyes. In other words, he was not outwardly focused with his eyes on paying attention to the condition of his physical circumstance, his body, neither did he focus on it mentally. Well, you say, well, what were his eyes fixed on? His eyes were fixed upon what God had spoken, and his mind was stayed upon the words, so shall your seed be. Well, God bless you. I pray that this word brought life, encouragement. We will pick up from this particular verse. Um, when God gives us the opportunity to move forward uh, prayerfully and hopefully this Monday at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And to them, grace and peace be with you in Jesus' name. God bless you.